Good morning, everybody. Uh, happy post Merry Christmas. Not sure what to do. Two days after Christmas and between New Year's, but hope you all had a, uh, uh, a great, great, great Christmas together. And, you know, there could be a lot of things that change in this season, but Jesus never changed for the season. Just know that. Just know that. It's good to have you all here uh, with us this morning. You know, uh, the ride of your life was on the, uh, on the video, and this truck reminds me of that. Um, it was uh, a truck that we had on the farm when I was a kid, and my older brother was driving that truck, and I was uh, riding on the tailgate of the truck, and I was, and my brother was like 14 or something, you know, and uh, he's just driving down uh, the country road, and I'm on the tailgate. He hits a bump, knocks me off the tailgate. My foot gets caught between the chain of the tailgate, and I'm, I'm flailing, bouncing my head on the road, hollering, Tom, stop, stop. And, uh, and he goes, why? It's a good brother. So I just wanted you to know I had a ride of my life, and I've never been quite the same since. But uh, uh, it's, good to, it's good to have you here. And uh, we've been kind of on a ride of our life this year, haven't we not? And uh, you know what? It's, uh, we've made it to the last Sunday of 2020. Um, and, uh, and that's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing in some way. I want to I take you on a, a journey, and I want to go back to 2019. Don't worry. It's not going to be that long of a sermon. I'm not going to go all the way through 2019 and 2020. But I want to set the stage for you. And a, a moment that I had in July of 2019... I really felt that God, I wanted to spend some time with God um, alone. So I told my wife, I'm going to Shawnee Mission Park, the lake out there in Kansas City. And we were visiting her folks in Overland Park. And I woke up early that morning for sunrise. And I went out to the lake and I just started reading through the book of Acts. And as I was reading through the book of Acts, uh, on the look, looking over and seeing the sunrise and, and the beautiful lake and everything... I came across chapter 13, um, and uh, in chapter 13, I was reading along there, and all of a sudden, there was a verse that, uh, that just popped out at me, that just impacted me in such a way that it, I, it, all my, my whole reading just stopped right there. And, and the verse says this. It's taking, it's a quote from the book of Habakkuk, which is in the Old Testament, tail end of the Old Testament, probably one of those um, prophet books that we don't find very often or look at very often. But this is the quote. It said in verse 41, it says, Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. And he's quoting God speaking to Israel here. It says, For I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. And that just stopped me at that point. And I started asking God this question. God, show me. What were you saying there? God, show me. What is that 
something that you were doing in their days that even if someone told them, they would not believe it. And as I was dwelling upon that and I was journaling through my journal and just, just asking God to reveal, I started asking that very same question for myself. I said, God, could you show me something? Help me to be able to see something in my days that I would never believe even if someone told me. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's a positive thing or if it's going to be a negative experience. But whatever it is, God, I want to be able to see. I want to be able to know this is of you. I want to be able to know that you've got something in store for me. And one hour later in Kansas City, I was back home with Lori's folks. And my son-in-law called, Raul from Ecuador. They were living with us at the time. And he says, Dad, I can't get to the house. I said, okay. I said, what's going on? He says, there's water everywhere. I'm thinking broken pipes in the house, water coming out, I don't know. And, he, he, and, he, and I said, what do you mean? He says, I cannot get to the house. The water is overflowing 2nd Avenue. It's all rushing down our street. And I'm going, what? Did someone uh, open up a fire hydrant, something, you know, are they, are they flushing the fire hydrant? It's okay, Raul. It's okay. No, Dad, you don't understand. And he says, something happened. There was a dam that broke somewhere. I don't know. And so he finally stopped his car um, on 2nd Avenue and 11th at the gas station there. And he got out of the car and he, and he took a, he said, uh, uh, he said, hang up, and I'm gonna, we're going to video chat. So he hooked it up to video chat with me. And he said, this is what's going on, Dad. And he starts showing me on, on the phone, and I'm just kind of like, what? Seriously? And, and you'll see the video of it here. I mean, that's, that's it. That's 2nd Avenue to the right, in the, the le- right there. And where that cynic station was, that's where he had stopped to take a video of. And I'm just going like, can't be, no way, impossible. I remember driving, you know, all these years, I've been here for 20 years, that drainage ditch there, that overflow drainage ditch, I've always wondered, what would it be like if that thing was, was full? But that thing is overfull. And I could not believe it, even though I could see it even though he was explaining everything possible about what it was, even though I had the visual of it, I could not see it. And, but here's the deal. In midst of the flood and the destruction, in midst of the confusion and the heartache that that all caused, the power of God did amazing work in that season. God moved in that moment like none other. Now, that was tragic, and that was difficult, and that was hard, and maybe some of you lost a lot of possessions during that flood, and I'm sorry for that. And I know that there were a lot of things that happened during that time, but you know what? What I saw is I saw God do something in God's people, move in such a way that it was something that even if someone would have told us that that was going to happen and how 
God was going to move, I'm not sure we would have believed it. I'm not sure we would have seen it. I'm not sure we would have grabbed a hold of it like we saw. Loving the one in front of us, loving those that we didn't know by us, loving the one uh, in, another, in another town, in another place, people, the church, the big C church, the church of E-Free, the church, the God's people, rose to the occasion and loved those that they've never, ever met before and did things for those that never, ever, and that was doing something greater than we've ever thought or imagined. God says, I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. But even above all that natural disaster, one thing, the power and the work of the Almighty God was a whole nother level. A whole nother level of God's work. And later, uh, during that time of the season, we were, we were preparing to send uh, uh, 20 some individuals to Columbia. And we had just, right before that flood had hit, we had just sent our prayer support letters out to the church. Now, we had to raise like $50,000 in a few months. We were asking the church family and community to help uh, pray for us, but also to help financially support us. And then this flood happens. Now, all... The monetary gifts are going toward helping those locally, and it should have been that way. We take care of each other. And, and so I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, well, we got this missions trip to go to as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a conflict in my heart, and I'm saying, God, you know, all the focus is on the, on the flood situation, and, and rightfully so. But God, I'm, I'm praying that somehow we can have enough funds to go to Columbia as well. Do I make announcements? Do I, do I remind the church family, hey, there's a missions trip, remember not to give to that. And, and God just said, just revealed to me that, no, just be quiet and let me, let, me, let me take care of this. And so I didn't mention anything. No one knew. We were at a shortfall of about $24,000 that we need to come up with in less than a week. And I met with the missions team and said, hey, look, we're, we're short about $24,000. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work, but we got to pray, and we start praying. About Thursday or Friday that week, not knowing, not sending it out to the church, not sending out prayer needs to the church or anything about it, I get a call from an individual that said, you know what, I already have given uh, a gift of support to the missions group, but God has not taken his hand off my heart and burden to help support the team. Can I come in and talk to you? I said, sure. So this person came in, and we talked, and we prayed, and we talked, and we prayed. And then the person said, how much, how much are you short? I said, you know, I'm not going to tell you that. I just wanted to let God do a work in you, whatever God lays on your heart. That, that's what God wants to do through your, through your life. And so we prayed. About 30 minutes later, we were done. I closed with prayer, and I looked up to this individual, and I said, okay, so what do you feel like God's, God's wanting to do? And she reached into her purse, pulled her checkbook out, and she said, I want to write you a check for $24,000. 
$24,000. Now listen, God's going to do something in your days. God's going to do something in your days that you would never believe if even if someone told you. Now, for some of you, you're kind of, you may be saying, oh, that was a nice story, Brian, but I don't believe it. That's what, that's what that verse is talking about. Even though you told me, I'm telling you, I lived it. I experienced it. It was an amazing moment that all of a sudden, God did something more powerful in that moment in a situation that looked so grim, looked so dark, looked so hopeless, looked so overwhelming that it was impossible for me, myself, or anyone else to really fulfill that. And we just surrendered it to God. God, we prayed it and gave it to God. God moved in that person's life. That person responded, and God showed up and showed off and did amazing work by supplying the need for that trip. That was all God doing something, doing something in our days that even if someone had told him, we wouldn't have believed it. We finished out in 2019, went on the trip, 2019, and we were all, I think all of us that were affected by the flood and all of that I mean, this happened for months that this work was being done, and God's people rose up, and God used God's people in mighty ways beyond measure. And we were ready for a reset on 2020. We were ready to say, man, 2019, what a year. 2020, come on, let's do something new. Let's do something different. And I was ready for that as well. On January 3rd, that Sunday morning, I'm sitting right over here, and my phone vibrates, and I look at it, and it's my niece from Phoenix, Arizona. It says, uh, Uncle Brian, would you call me as soon as you can? I texted back, okay, I'll call you after the service. And not thinking anything of it, and pretty soon... Text came again. Said, "Uncle Brian, could you, could you, uh, you know, call? It's, it's about it's about my dad." And I'm thinking, "Okay." And I said, "Well, the service is about over. I'll call you when the service is over." And I'm heading home. I get home. I call, and I said to her, "Hey, Mercedes, it's Uncle Brian. What's going on?" She said, "I just want you to know." Um, Dad passed away at Camelback Mountain this morning, uh, mountain biking with a ma massive heart attack, and he's gone. He's kind of like, what? I mean, he, d he does this three or four times a week. This wasn't his first trek out on the bike. God, what do you, what do you, what, what? You took my brother at 53? Suddenly? Just like that? And then, so it became a, a year that started out with confusion. It became a year that started out with uncertainty. It became a year of starting out with 
heartache. It came a year that when God said to me prior in 2019, I'm going to do something that you would never believe, even if someone told you, I would not have believed that my brother, my younger brother, who is more fit and more in shape than I am, would go before I would go. And I couldn't believe it. Now listen, this year has been a year that we could never believe. If someone would have told you, you'd say, I don't believe it. Let me ask you. If someone would have told you before 2020 that there'd be a toilet paper shortage, would you have believed it? Absolutely not. If you would have believed the fact that the, there would be a food shortage in the, in, on the shelves and at Walmart and in Hy-Vee that all the canned goods are all picked over and it's looking, it looks pretty grim. You wouldn't have believed it. You wouldn't have believed that, that the country would have shut down and, and phrases like social distancing would have been phrases that would have been used. You wouldn't have believed it. But God says, I'm doing something in your days. That even if someone would have told you, you wouldn't have believed it. And it wasn't just about a virus. It was about what he's wanting to do within his people. In the midst of when everything is unraveling at a rapid pace, when things get darker and darker and things get over, more overwhelming and more overwhelming, things, God come in, comes into the mess and he comes into the confusion. He comes into the uncertainty and he's going to say, I'm going to do something in this day that you wouldn't believe even when everything else looks gloom, doom, and it's going to go, uh, go south really bad. I'm just going to tell you I'm going to do something. I'm doing something. You know, before Christ came into the world, the world was filled with fear. The Romans feared the rebellion, and those under the Roman rule feared Rome's suppressive power. There were people that didn't like each other or didn't even care for each other. Pharisees and Sadducees, the Samaritans, were, were such a, they, there was such con conflict between those groups that they would, dry, they would walk miles or days to avoid walking through the same territory as someone else. The, the, the place of Samaria was not the place for the Jewish person to walk through because there was such tension happening. Hearts of people were filled with suspicion and fear and distrust. The spirit of Judaism was, was eroding quickly. And if anyone ever fought back, they were silenced quickly. They were arrested. And some, in extreme cases, were crucified before others. Not much different than today. The crucifixion of others today, if someone stands for truth, looks a little different today. The crucifixion is were used with words and, and slams and, and removing you from things and, and silencing you and canceling you and all that other stuff. That's what's happening today. But it's really not all that different before the days of Christ. And the, during the most dark and despairing times, God enters in. And he's doing something new. He's doing something new. 
And he entered that world of mess. He entered the darkness to do a powerful work that none would believe even when they were told that the Messiah was going to come. They would not believe it because they were looking for a kingdom of this earth, not the kingdom from God above. So even when it was happening right in front of their face, God in all of his power and glory shows up and does something incredible. He does something incredible. A baby's born in a manger. Uh, angels show up. All those things happen. And, and we celebrate that to this day. In the darkest and the gloomest, when the world seemed to be unraveling at a rapid pace over 2,000 years ago, God says, I'm doing something in your days that you would not believe even if someone had told you. So quit scoffing. Quit wondering. Quit perishing in despair because God is the God of power. God is the God of control. God is the God that's got the plan laid out. We just are to trust him. Let's look at the snapshots of Christmas. The snapshots of Christmas this morning and we're going to look at various scenes where fear rose up. Now, I know that many of you probably have had fear this past year. Fear has come in many different ways and, and has affected you in many different forms. Fear, you know, we've, we, we don't know who to believe. We don't know what we need to do. We don't know if we stand six feet away or, or avoid everybody completely altogether. Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Do we stand on our head? Do we roll up in a corner? And, and, you know, whatever it is, what do we do? What do we do? Just tell us what we need to do, and we don't even know what we need to do at times. And it gets overwhelming. And let's look at this Christmas story in Luke chapter 1. And I just want you to know this, that you're going to see various phrases where it says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And I want you to know this, when, when God says fear not, it doesn't mean we cannot have fear. It doesn't mean that fear is not something that, that, that makes us, you know, insignificant. He's just saying, fear not does not mean we cannot have fear. It means do we allow fear to have us, okay? That's the difference. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Zechariah is going to the temple, and he's doing what he's done all of his life, and he's going to burn incense while they're praying. And I'm sure Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a child, and they were barren for years, could not have a child, could not have a child. They were heartbroken over that, heartbroken over that. And they finally reached the years uh, beyond childbearing years, and Zechariah goes into the temple, and he burns the incense of what they do in the temple. And as he's praying, an angel shows up, and it says, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled. Oh. And he was gripped with fear. In verse 13, it says, but the angel said to him, what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Your prayer has been heard. Listen, 
there's anything in 2020, 2021, and beyond, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you've been looking for, no matter what you've been asking God to answer in your life, and it hasn't come at the point of when you want it to come. It's just you keep praying. You keep seeking the face of God. You keep making yourself available to God because God does hear your prayers. God does hear your heart. And there will be a day he will show up and there will be a day that he will answer that may may not look like exactly the way you planned it out in your head, may not happen the way exactly the way you wanted it to go at the timing that you wanted it to happen, but God's got a perfect timing. His ways are higher than our ways. His, his plans are greater than our plans, so let's, let's just let go and let God show us the way. And man, oh man, Zechariah, he says, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 29 to 30. Mary's getting ready to get married, okay? She's, she's all getting ready. She's getting excited. Plans are happening. Wedding plans are coming together. It's all happening. And the angel shows up to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 29 to 30, and says, says to Mary that God's favor is upon her. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, the angel said, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do you see a pattern here? There was fear, and then God says, I got it. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear have you. Fear is going to be natural for you. It's going to be natural for me. There's going to be moments that we're going to be afraid because it's beyond our capacity to grasp it and to grab a hold of it. But we can look to our good father who looks down to us and says, you know what? I'm telling you, don't be afraid. I'm your father. I got it. Just like when you did for your children. When they were afraid and you understood the situation and you saw that it really wasn't as scary as it looked, but to your kids, it was frightening. Because you, as the father, experienced and you saw something far greater than they could see. And you would look down to your children and you'd say, honey, it's okay. Come here. Hold my hand. Don't be afraid. Daddy's got you. Daddy's here. I'm with you. We'll, we'll make it through. And that's what he was saying to, to Mary. But, but he answers it with this. He says, do not be afraid. Why? Why? You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Now, now listen. How many of you want God's favor? Huh? We all want God's favor. Now, would you want the kind of favor Mary got? Let me ask you that. Okay? It's kind of like, no, no, that doesn't fall under the category of favor for me, God. Okay? <laughs> listen, God. When I'm thinking favor, I'm thinking, you know, good things, okay? I'm not thinking questionable things. I'm not thinking of people having to whisper behind my back and shake their head about me and all that. I'm not thinking that kind of favor. But God says, listen, uh, you're, you are in favor with God. 
And Mary receives it. And Mary receives that act and goes ahead and becomes the, the mother of the Christ child. So God's power became greater than the power of the influence of the world. And Mary lived under that, and she now becomes the great story of the Christmas story through which every young girl wants to play the role of Mary. Because she's the star. With the star, I should say. Okay? But listen, what does it mean by God has favor upon you? What it means this is that God's going to protect you. He's got you. He's with you. You have found favor with God. God's got his hand on you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to show you that he is with you through all of this. Just trust your father and what he's doing. If you can't trust his hand, trust your father's heart. Now in 2020, God has his favor on you. And it may be hard and it may be difficult. And you may be struggling with a lot of heartache and heartbreak and struggles and battles and all this virus and all this stuff going on and all this uncertainty. But I want you to know, I want you to know that the good father, the good father, the creator of this universe, the one that knows you, that sent his son to die on the cross for you, he's got you. He's got you. His favor is upon you. And he's going to help you through whatever the battle that you're facing right now. He, you are in his favor. You are in his favor. And then there's one other snapshot scene of the shepherds. Oh, these guys were the marginalized guys in the community. These guys were the stinky, smelly, never took a shower or a bath. They were the guys that just were kind of the outcasts on the outside of the city. Just take care of the sheep. Just smell like the sheep. Have you ever smelled like sheep? Have you ever been around sheep? I've been around sheep. Boy, it's a great smell, especially wet sheep. Okay? And these guys are sitting out there, and they're, they're kind of the, the outcasts of the community. They're the outcasts of the people, and they come into the town. All the people want to know is if you got a good lamb. They don't really want to deal with the shepherd. And God shows up to the shepherds. God shows up to them. And in Luke chapter um, 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, And the angel of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Terrified. Terrified. Have you ever been Terrified. Have you ever been to a place that you were just totally without words? You were shaking in your boots? Terrified. Verse 10, it says, And the angel of the Lord said to them, What? Do not be afraid. For what? I bring you good news of great joy. That will cause for all people Joy for all people. You see, fear often shows up when God is in the midst of doing a new thing. <laughs> when God does something that's woo, beyond our comprehension, it's kind of like, whoa, what was that? What was that? Look at Isaiah chapter uh, 
43, verse 18, 19. God gave me this verse about two months ago. It says this, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm telling you, God's saying to you and I today in 2020 to 2021, listen, we can't, we can't go. How many of us have been heard ourselves say or heard someone else say, I can't wait to get back to normal. Can't wait to get back to what it once was. I've been there. But I'm telling you, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to tell you, I think God's doing a new thing. Okay? I think he's doing a new thing. So let's not get so focused on what it once was and start looking for what is going to happen now and how God's going to reveal that now. When you hang on to the past, you miss the great work that God is doing in the present. If we keep living in the rearview mirror, we forget about what there is that God has before us that we can enjoy at this moment right now. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, missed the Messiah because they were looking at the past. And God's saying, listen, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm about ready to do a new thing. Will you perceive it? Will you see it revealed to you, unfold before you? God's doing a new thing. Listen, he hears your prayers. He's going to do a new thing. may not be the way you want it to be, but he's going to do a new thing. Are you ready to see it? Are you ready to be open for, for God to show you something in your life that he's going to do something in your days that even if someone told you, you wouldn't believe it? Can you believe that we're living in the most exciting times where God's going to do something so new that it's going to just blow our socks off? These are dark days, but these are the most hopeful days because God is doing something new. So we best be ready. We best be open. We best be prayed up. He wants to show his favor and his care. I need to wrap this up. John 16, it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He says, yes, there's going to be trouble. Yes, there's going to be dark days. But I want you to know, I am the God that does the new thing. And I'm the God that's going to help you overcome whatever you're facing. Just trust me. I'm the overcomer. I faced the cross. I died on the cross. I faced the grave. I stomped on the grave in victory. I walked away from the grave in new life. I live in you, and you are much an overcomer. Now, in the new day, this day, he's going to do something in your days. In your days. In your days. In your days. John 4, 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We need not fear the power of the world because the greater power lives within you. Do you believe that? Because this is the new thing. I don't know what that new thing looks like, but I do know that God knows. 
and we're going we're gonna to look to God and we're going to be ready for God to do something in the next years that we're going to look back and we're going to go, whoo, that was the new thing. That was the new thing God was doing. It was pretty dark at the time, but I didn't see it in full entirety now, but now I see the new thing. You see, God is present with you. He's not flippant. He's personally present in every situation. But more importantly, we don't always recognize what is happening. One of my favorite, favorite Christmas carols is God Rest You Merry Gentlemen for a number of reasons. I like Joy to the World, but Joy to the World is not a man's song, okay? It's just too high. I can never get there, okay? It's always like, woo! Okay? But God rest you, merry gentlemen, is, is at the range that I can sing, that I can feel confident about. And I love this song because it has such a powerful message to it. And as we look at the words of this song, just look at what it's saying. The theology of this is so powerful. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of I love that that verse because it says that Christ was born on Christmas Day to save us from Satan's power. 1 John, 1 John 3, 8 says this. I love this verse. It says, uh, the reason the Son of God appeared was to, to destroy the devil's work. Bam! <laughs> the reason... Jesus was born. The reason Jesus came, the reason that Jesus is the reason for this season was to destroy the works of the devil. Boom. Now listen, in that song, I'm sure we've been all led astray this past year. We've all been sucked in to the fears. But what a great reminder you see, he's providing ways through the wilderness. I love that verse in Isaiah because he says, don't you perceive it? I'm providing a path in the wilderness. Listen, you and each and every one of us have had a wilderness journey this year. We just don't know where to go at times. We don't know what we need to do. It's been a wilderness. But God says, I'm doing a new thing. Just watch me provide a path in the midst of the wilderness. And, you know, and some of you may be facing the desert times where it's dry and you're just not feeling that there's a whole lot of life. He says, I'm going to bring streams of water in the midst of the desert. I promise you that. That's what I'm going to do. Well, I need to wrap this up. Deuteronomy 11, 11 through 12. I want to close out with these verses. Deuteronomy 11 through 12, 
God is talking to Israel, and they're about ready to go into the Jordan, into the promised land, cross the Jordan. He says, but the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to the end. Church, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God's doing a new thing. And God knows what the new thing is. We just need to keep our eyes on him. In Deuteronomy 11 through 12, God says, you're at the precipice where you're crossing over into a new year. You're crossing into the new land. God says, take hold of the new thing that God is going to do. Take hold of it. Take possession of it. Take hold of that which God is offering you right now. And that may be Jesus, and that may be that you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus today. Take hold of that. For your journey will be a different journey in 2021 when you do that. But take hold of the new thing God is going to do. Second of all, know that there will be mountains and valleys. There's going to be mountains and valleys. He says, you're going into the promised land. You're going into the next year. It's going to be the year of the reset, whatever you want to call it. It's not any of that because God's doing a new thing. I believe it. And God is doing such a new thing that we need to be ready that there's going to be mountains and there's going to be valleys in the midst of that. But it says that his rain falls on both. His refreshing rain that we need will fall on the valleys and on the mountains. And the last thing is this, God cares. I love this. His eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. He's been on you from the beginning of 2020 to almost the end now. And here you are, he's there taking care of you. And he's been doing a new thing in the whole process. I hope you've seen it. I hope you've celebrated it, that he has his favor upon you and he's caring for you. Do not fear, church, for God is with you. Do not be dismayed, for he is God. And he's doing a new thing. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you that in Acts it says that you're going to do something in our days that even if someone told us, we would not believe it. It's been a year that we just could not believe that the church doors were shut down and we had to do church at home, but you were still doing a new thing in the midst of all that. We could shut everything off, but the church lives on. The heartbeat of the church lives on. Even when everything else shuts down, you can't shut off the power and the Spirit of God. We thank you for that, oh God. And we look forward to the new thing that you're doing in us. May we be open to receive that what that is, that we will see the path in the wilderness of time 
that we will drink from the streams of the water in the midst of the desert of despair. God, I pray for each and every one here through the heartache, through the challenges, through the adversities of life, that they would know that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That they would know that there is a new beginning. The old is gone. And the new has begun. For God, you are the God of the new thing. I don't know what exactly that looks like, but I know you do. And I'm choosing to trust you in the process. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.